Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Week 11 is done. The Jets are officially eliminated from the playoffs. We could have told you that after week one. My name is Cameron Hobbs. My name is Paul Mitchell. Are the Ravens also done? We'll ask that question here on the NFL Scotland podcast as the Steelers continue to steal their way, steamrolling at everything. And there were so many upsets. We're going to touch on them in this podcast. Yep, lots and lots and lots to talk about. Um, And of course, this is Thanksgiving weekend that's just about to come up. So we will touch on that briefly, but uh, we'll be saving a lot of that chat for our live events. Of course, we've got our watch along on Thursday for Thursday Night Football. We've got our live pod event on Sunday before the game's there. Uh, Lots of chat to be had. There's still tickets available, so let's get this plug in now. Still tickets available. Check out our Twitter feed. Uh, It's £3. That gets you to both. It gets you to the raffle. To be honest, the Thursday Night Watch Along is a freebie throw-in extra the three pounds really is for the sunday event we've got some great guests lined up for that um some people from another podcast in scotland uh very popular um a different sport but they are fans of nfl and we're going to have a a brotherly competition as well on sunday and i'm looking forward to seeing who comes out on top in that one but paul we're going to mix it up a little bit we're going to start this week with the nominations and we've picked out the best ones and we thought we'd use that as a basis to look back at week 11 and everything that went on there so you're going to get a lot of my voice i'm afraid to begin with but here we go um so we'll start at the very very top uh lauren callahan he got in touch his belter and let's do the belters first cd lamb's acrobatic touchdown catch special mention for us for planning two events this week so i'm quite happy to to plug that one again um but yeah that cd lamb catch was quite something matt ingster his belter was deshaun watson who had a great day against the poor saints uh, defense the chris breen deshaun watson as well accounted for all but 19 of his team's net total yards an impressive performance all round uh, Shawnee B, his belter is the Kyle Brandt angry run options from players, which if you watch Good Morning Football, you'll know exactly what that's all about. It's great content. Polly, his belter is also CD Lamb's catch and NFL Scotland for putting on a double header. So again, another nomination for us. We'll have that. Denny Ford's belter is the Colts defense. Uh, Stephen Lynn is us again for arranging not one but two great events. So delighted to get a load of that. Uh, who's your belter? out of the week 11 games, Paul? My belter is Derek Carr because I loved hearing Derek Carr uh, talk because he came up with so many imaginative, brilliant calls. I mean, he called James Harden, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Uh, he, he talked about Chris Mullen, uh, and it was, it was just absolutely brilliant. You could hear just about all he was saying. I mean, at one point he went Elvis Obama Tupac um, you know, he had Purple Walrus, Pistol Pete, uh, Mamba. Just brilliant. I mean, it, it makes absolutely no sense. I'd love to see the playbook, but it sounded brilliant. Uh, he got away with it, and they nearly won. And they, they arguably should have won. Uh, so well done, the Raiders. But Derek Carr gets my belter this week. It was Purple Walrus, wasn't it? And I think they hunt. They threw it to Hunter Renfro. If Hunter Renfro isn't from now on known as the Purple Walrus, I'll be utterly <laughs> disappointed. Um, it was great content. And do you know what? You talked about it, and you've talked about it on Twitter, uh, on your thought for the day, and the fact that, you know, the, the stadiums that you're commentating in are empty. And it's a horrible situation that we want to get rid of. We're desperate to get fans back in the, in the stadiums. There's no two ways about it. But at the same time, there's a few wee nuggets along the way that we can embrace a little bit of, and being able to hear these audibles 
is definitely one of them. We're hearing a part of the game that we normally wouldn't get even 20% of what we're hearing. But it's fascinating that the hard counts is the other one as well and how effective they've been against teams. Because these stadiums are empty, the the strategy and the gamesmanship of some of these quarterbacks, um, you know, rushing to the line, Derek Carr did one where he did a hard count, got the Chiefs to jump offside, and it wasn't anywhere near the, the play clock. There was loads of time left on it. And it was just about the way he got his, he marched the team forward, he did it super quick, he drew the penalty, he got five yards. And actually, you know, the, the Raiders did a pretty damn good job. And imagine if they'd managed to beat the Chiefs twice. Oh, that would have been quite something. It really would have been. Um, but for me, I've really enjoyed hearing that side of the game. I absolutely agree. It was tremendous. And, and Sunday night football, the good thing with them is, you know, they've got a lot of cameras. They've got a lot of microphones. They're, they're, they're solid tech. And I, I think they were able to play it up. And Al Michaels... And Chris Collingsworth, credit to them. They let us hear them. They weren't incessantly talking over. And I think that's that's top quality broadcasting. Speaking of, we do need to go over the uh, awful announcing awards. We did say we would do it last week, so yep. we must remember to cover that on this episode. Um, Belter, for me, do you know what? i, I got to give it to Keenan Allen. What a performance Keenan Allen had. Granted, it's the Jets. But... You know, that Jets team has been kind of awkwardly relevant in their games that they're playing. They've not been blown out every single week. Um, I'm convinced they're definitely losing on purpose here. But, I, I, you know, against the Chargers, I thought that Herbert played particularly brilliantly. Keenan Allen, absolutely superb. 16 receptions, which is a franchise record. And he is a wide receiver that just continues to perform. Just continues to perform. I mean, he'll be absolutely delighted to have Justin Herbert and the performances from him. Uh, you know, on track to break the rookie yards and touchdowns uh, in a in a first season, which is a really impressive stat as well. Now on track, he's got some tough games ahead of him. But Keenan Allen for me had an absolutely tremendous performance. I'm going to give a little bonus one to the Dallas Cowboys though, who showed a lot of character uh, in that victory over the Vikings. Now we talked about this last week, and I, I'll be perfectly honest: I had the Vikings winning that one. I thought that the Vikings were going to really mount a, a postseason push. Um, or sorry, a push for the postseason, and and get themselves back into winning way. Dalvin Cook back healthy, and Dalvin Cook, you know, he got banged up at one point. I thought maybe he's going to exit the game, but actually the Cowboys hung about and they they did what they needed to do. Got a really important win, and in that division, you know, they're right back in the mix for the postseason themselves, which is which is just unreal. That that NFC East is just a shambles, but yeah, it's it's great to watch at the same time. Car crash TV. It is. What what about Bowfing? What what the what are the pick of the nominations for Bowfing? So Bowfing, there's a few of these ones different uh, differing as well. Lauren Callahan, and this is a good prompt to you as well. His pigskin pick'em, his Bonnie Sauce pick'em result for this week, a measly five out of fourteen. Lauren, that's disappointing, I'll be honest. Bowfin from Matt Ingster is the play calling by Josh Daniels. Obviously, Matt, a big Patriots fan, disappointed uh, with that one. Chris Breen, his Bowfin is the entire Philadelphia Eagles team. Yeah. Shawnee B, <laughs> Bowfin is Joe Burrow's leg. That really was an unpleasant injury. Now, actually, I'm going to I'm gonna cut here because I'm not cut. I'm going to like interject because I saw some chat on uh, social media about this over the weekend. One thing that, you know, I watch Red Zone because it gets me, it's the easiest way to see all the games that allows me to come into this podcast and actually talk about all of them with some level of informed view. Um, one of the things that Red Zone does do is, is it, it replays the injuries and shows you the injuries. 
I saw some people saying, you know, that they wish Red Zone would stop doing that and they don't want to see it. For me, I don't know where I come down on this. It's not, they're not glorifying it, but they are showing what's happened so that you can see exactly what's gone on. I guess for me, it's one of those ones that if you don't want to see it, kind of look away now type things. But yeah, it's a tough one. You, seeing the context of the injury can really give you an indication as to what's gone on there uh, and how serious it might be. So I can understand why they do show it, but it's an interesting conversation. It is, but I think you've got to be careful. It depends on how graphic it is and depends on the reaction of the player. Now, I don't think Burrow was rolling around in, in utter agony. He knew he was done. He knew he was hurt. But, I mean, I've I've seen games where directors have shown one angle of the replay and the commentators basically said, we don't want to see that again. And I think the director will have realised as well because it's an automatic reaction. If you've ever worked in a television truck, the director's, you know, calling the action, you then call the replays, you know, they might have three, four, five of them lined up. That It's a really stressful business. If you realise that it's that bad as a director, you've got to pull back. Um, because it's it you know what we tend to forget is that there's relatives watching. Yeah. Um, now it, it's the same when when I do a radio commentary or TV commentary, you don't speculate. That that's the main thing. You don't speculate because you you can only add to the distress. Let the picture tell the story. You can then talk about the broader um, impact of the injury. But you know you don't want to say. I mean you don't want to say. You know that looks like it's a double leg break or it looks like it's both ACL, MCL, or whatever. You know you've got to try and hold back just a little bit. And I understand people not wanting to see it, but I think, to be fair to Red Zone, they were showing it within the context of how it happened to show where it happened, why it happened, the high tackle, the low tackle, the fact that the 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 O-line of the Bengals wasn't particularly great in, in keeping their quarterback upright. So I thought they got an editorial was correct. And, and it is a really tough one. There's a couple of these that spring to mind more from our football. Like Henrik Larsson's injury, where his leg was sort of dangling at the end of it. And I remember they showed a replay of that, and that was grim. Um, that you definitely want to, don't want to see. And you're right, you just don't know what's actually happening there. And that's a tough call to make if you're a, a director in these situations. I remember watching the, the utterly, utterly horrible scenes of Mark Vivian Foe. Um, and at the time, you know, the, the, there was just something felt off about it. And they, the director dealt with that in, a, in a, I thought, a, as good as you possibly could. It was just distraught and at the same time you almost want to see pictures because you want to make sure that that person's okay that they're responding and in that situation it wasn't it was it was horrible to watch um so i it, it is a hard balance to get that one it really is and i think that you're right you know if it's so gruesome that there's you know if we're talking compound fracture or something like that absolutely you don't want to be seeing that that's no, you don't show anything like that. But one like Burroughs, you know, it's a horrible injury. Didn't know at the time how bad that was going to be. He clearly went over on his knee. I mean, you knew it was going to be something pretty severe. You knew it was likely season ending. Um, but yeah, a tough one. Um, certainly from the point of view of Joe Burroughs, we wish him a speedy recovery. And I think that, you know, he's a player, certainly, Paul, I feel some affinity to because we were lucky enough to see him play for LSU. We followed his journey through the draft. We saw him pick number one overall, which was great to see. He's had a good first year at that Bengals team. They need to invest in their O-line now and protect him when he does come back. And let's hope he is able to come back and be the player that he has been so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's nasty, there's no doubt about it. But given all the technology that's there now and given the fact that the medical 
side of things is better than it's ever been. And also, it's interesting, I, I, I was discussing this on Twitter with somebody before, there is now technology that allows you to plan somebody's recovery as well. Um, you know, it's not just a question of you're going out every day running a little bit further, a little bit further, pushing yourself. You know, technology can actually indicate where you're stressing your body. So I think there's an awful lot will come out of that. And I think we'll see players getting over what would have been career-ending injuries um, just an awful lot quicker, thanks to advance in medical technology. couple more Bowfin nominations before we get to ours. Uh, Polly, our resident Bucks fan. Brady throwing long. Oh, and 22 and counting. I'll take his word for that. I haven't been keeping count there. But oh, and 22 is definitely a number that I like to see associated with Brady. What can I say? Um, Denny Ford, his Bowfin is all things Carson Vents. And this is an interesting one. Stephen Lynn, Bowfin, Aaron Rodgers... The quarterback should be a leader of men within any team. He consistently shows that he is not that, which I think is a fascinating uh, nomination for Baufing. And I think is one of those nominations that, for me, just shows you that NFL and sport is full of opinions. And it's amazing how some people can look at a situation in a very different way because, personally, I would have Aaron Rodgers at the Niners every day of the week. Uh, and I don't think there's any lack of leadership from him, from him at all. I think that he's pointy. I think that he he expects his guys to step up. Uh, he drives a hard bargain, but that's why the Packers are relevant. And it's Aaron Rodgers is the reason why the Packers are relevant, not any other player on that team. It's, it's for me, 95% Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind him being spiky. I mean, if he's pleasant off the field to these guys, you know, and doesn't do them any harm, but on the field, he has such a win ethic, such a drive, and he wants people to have that with him. If they don't, he doesn't want them there. It really is that simple. It's not personal. It's all about winning. It, it, it To me, it really is that easy, Cameron. Yeah, um, so there you go. So who's who gets your bow for nomination for this week? Well, it, it's, it's quite a wide one, but the people will know who they are. The media get it in the neck for this stupid controversy that apparently came out in New Orleans. Utter nonsense. Jameis Winston would start if Drew Brees dropped the day before. Now, Kenny Albert, and this is where you've got to give credit because it's a guy who's done his job. Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma, who weren't on the Saints game but were on another game, basically said they'd done the Saints game three or four weeks ago. They talked to the Saints coaching staff and it was simple. If Breeze goes down during a game or the day before, Winston starts because he can replicate. If the Saints have time, Sean Payton said if he had a week or more to prepare, Taysom Hill would start. Yet all last week we got the big hoo-ha about Winston this, Winston that, and all this sort of nonsense. <laughs> and um, It's because we it all want to ex- see him play. We all want to see him play. Yeah, you do. I don't. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm talking about the media creating the narrative. The answer was there. Kenny Albert had it. The Saints had said what they were going to do. Now, Sean Payton being Sean Payton didn't want to repeat that and just noise people up. That's absolutely fine. Uh, And well played, Taysom Hill. The strip sack was unfortunate, but apart from that, everything else was pretty damn good. And uh, way to go, the Saints. Do you know what? It was... uh, It was... uh, 
how would I describe it? It's a 7 out of 10 performance from Taysom Hill. And I think that's probably the best way to put it. He did what he needed to do. He did what he's good at. He he is more known for his trick play than anything else. You know, it felt like every single throw he made to Michael Thomas was absolutely identical. It felt like every I kept going, is that the same play? Am I watching a replay? Every throw was just about the same. But he did what he needed to do. Um, Alvin Kamara, fantasy owners, absolutely raging, me included, um, because Kamara took a back seat in a big way. Thankfully, it didn't cost me neither of the games that I was playing him in. But um, yeah, Kamara had his most quiet day by an absolute country mile. And I guess what will be interesting, and it will be interesting, is the Falcons are not necessarily the greatest of opposition, certainly on defense. It'll be fascinating to see how Hill does with more time as the number one against tougher defensive opposition. And I guess it will be telling over the next two or three games if he can make it through those, continue the winning streak and and play well, then, you know, he's definitely backing up his own argument to be the next number one quarterback in New Orleans. The, the challenge will be how quickly does the pressure turn to go to Winston if things don't work out necessarily against another team. So I think it's a fan, fascinating story that we'll continue to develop. And it's fascinating because we can continue to wind you up about it every time Jameis is warming up. We look forward to that every single time as well. I'm very relaxed at the moment. <laughs> it won't last. It won't last. No. Um, elsewhere, I think, so for me, Baufin, sorry, Baufin. For me, Baufin, there is one team. There is one team that deserves this. The performances are absolutely diabolical. We talked last week how actually a late win might have prolonged a certain head coach career. I think this game may have been the one that's absolutely done it for him. The Detroit Lions. Carolina allowed zero points for the first time since week 14 of 2015. Fine. The the Lions had a couple of interceptions, which I think are about their first interceptions. Someone said to me since two thousand six. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't know if that's a stat or not. Um, that might just be a bit of sarcasm. But um, the Lions did a couple of things against PJ Walker, who I thought came in and did terrifically. Um, having come from the XFL, you know the Houston Roughnecks. Um, he was one of the you know the the shining stars in the XFL. I think that. Um, Scott Hansen mentioned, and it's very much the case, that had that season gone out to a completion, he probably would have been the MVP of the first XFL. He, he was tremendous. So to see him come in and do a very good job, finally through a couple of interceptions, but that's going to happen in that sort of player that's coming in and playing his NFL. Still a young guy as well, so interesting for the Panthers to see what they can get out of him. Though Teddy will probably be back this week, I would imagine, the, he, he certainly feels like a functioning number two for sure. Um, maybe towards the end of the season, he may get a bit more game time and the opportunity to show what he's capable of. But for me, the Detroit Lions, absolutely bouffing. That's just, I mean, oh, fine, they were without Swift. They're without Golladay. They've got other talent. Matt Stafford is not a bum quarterback. That is just a disappointing performance all around. It's so bad. Matt Patricia could run as a Democrat in Wayne County where... Detroit play and nobody would vote for him. They wouldn't even put in mail-in ballots for him. He's that bad. He is appalling. You know, I mean, I look to the Lions and you think, come on, where's the progress? You've got to look for progress. There is none coming. Now, Cameron, you and I, since we started doing this podcast, we've seen coaches go one and done. Matt Patricia traded off his name 
Now, Matt Patricia just may be one of these guys who's simply a great coordinator in the right place. He doesn't look like a head coach. I will be stunned if the Lions keep him. Now, it's a question of, I mean, they're only four and six. They win that game, they're five and five. So you could argue, you know, it's not all bad. But these are the games that they keep losing. And it's not like, you know, there was 10, nine or 10 games this week that were all within a touchdown which was remarkable. It's a brilliant sport for, for being so close. They got absolutely horsed. Um, you know, the Lions are going to lie in. We keep saying this. And until they get rid of, I think, Matt Patricia, I think they're done. I think they've they've conducted their business poorly. Some of the drafting hasn't worked. There's no great signs. You could point at other teams that have got problems uh, with arguably the exception of the Jets, and you can see some forward progress. You see what John Gruden's done to the Raiders. He doesn't have a particularly great record over these three years, but hey, they beat KC this year, and, and they're challenging. They're six and four. They nearly done a double over the Super Bowl champions. I think they're um, going to the playoffs. I actually saw yeah. enough out of that performance to think they're making it to the playoffs. The AFC's fascinating. The AFC's truly fascinating. Um, and absolutely, do you know what? We called them a bum team. Or we did call them a bum team. I said they were bereft of talent. I took it back pretty early, and I have to keep taking it back. That humble pie is getting stale now, but I'll continue to eat it all season long because that is exactly what they're making me do. They, they've been really good to watch. Darren Waller, in particular, is just a monster of a player. He's tremendous. Josh Jacobs, obviously, coming through. But Derek Carr deserves a huge amount of credit. You know, I've... You know, Ryan Tannehill got um, comeback player of the season and most improved. I wonder if Derek Carr is a stick-on for most improved player of the season because the the change in him this year has been sensational. And I'm all for it. Uh, I really enjoy watching the Raiders play. And, you know, fingers crossed as there's stories of vaccines and things like that coming into play. I'm looking at my plans for 2021 and Las Vegas is definitely somewhere that I'm hoping to go next year. That it's, um, you know, I turn 40 next year and as part of my year long celebrations, because I'm milking that bad boy, uh, I do plan to go out to Vegas and try and catch a game. It would be brilliant. I think that's fantastic. Personally, I can't believe you're not 40 already, but that's another story. <laughs> If you see somebody going past in the background, because we're on Zoom, that's Derek Henry, by the way. He's just not been stopped by anybody. Um, so just, just in case Gordon's listening to this. Uh, can we can we go into Bobag and just agree that I'm correct? Because I usually am. Right. Let's be honest. Get, get your... No, let's, I'm not going to... No, I'm going to no, rephrase no, that. No. We will commence with your suggestion for the Bobag Award. <laughs> Gee whiz, I thought I was the only one that made mistakes like that this week. Anyway, it's going to be Tom Brady. Off of the handshake. Simple as that. You know, they lost. You know, there was no votes to recount. They lost. Get on with it. I think that's what... Yeah, he's got six rings, Cameron. He's got nothing to prove to anybody. Be the bigger person. Yeah. I, I just think that's that's horrible. Now, he may have gone to Jared Goff afterwards and things like that, but we've all... We love the tradition. Game finishes. Everybody's on the field. The two coaches look for each other. The two quarterbacks look for each other. Them's the rules. If you're not going to play by them, really, you should, that, that's bad. Is yeah. it just me? No, I and listen, we had. I was surprised we only had one nomination for him. I think he was deserving of more. He's my. He's absolutely my nomination as well. Chris Breen was the same. Tom Brady for yet again snubbing the opposition quarterback after a loss. It's getting boring now. Um, 
fascinating as well that that's the second quarterback this season he's done it to, and he's played both of them previously in a Super Bowl. So obviously he lost to Nick Foles. Um, he lost to Nick Foles against this season um, and didn't shake his hand, and now he's lost to Jared Goff and didn't shake his hand. Uh, yeah, abs- absolute Bob Agri behaviour, and I expect better. That is not GOAT behaviour. You, you know, greatest of all time carries with it, for me, a certain way that you conduct yourself off the field as well as on it. Now, there's, okay, fine, he is the greatest of all time because he's got those six super rings, but that doesn't mean he's not a ball bag. And I think there's a, a, enough items in that against column now because there's been behaviors over the years. And it's just a bad look. It's just an unnecessarily bad look. They're winning. They, they're likely to make the playoffs. It wasn't Jared Goff that beat him because Jared Goff's not on the field at the same time as him. The least you can go out and do afterwards is pay respect to the opposition quarterback. Um, so, yes, completely agree. Absolute ball bag behavior, and I don't think anyone else deserves it anymore. But we'll still go through some of the nominations because there's definitely some talking points in there. Um, Lauren Callahan, his was Sean Payton for making you happy and starting Taysom Hill over Jameis Winston. So I do think that Peyton is definitely a contender for a Bob Ag Award just because of that. Uh, Matt Ingstam raised an interesting one. Brian Flores for hooking Tua and not supporting the rookie better. Now, obviously, he struggled against the Broncos. The Broncos coming up the win, which I'll be honest, I didn't see coming at all. I thought that the Dolphins were really on the march to the postseason themselves as well. In the end, Fitzpatrick comes back in. Not sure if it was just down to performance and whether or not there was maybe a a slight knock there and it was a case of Flores being, um, I don't know, being extra safe with his rookie given that he came into the season carrying an injury. I think if you've got the chance to win the game and you don't think Tua's going to do it, put Fitzpatrick in. He's a good quarterback. Now, it didn't work. He marched him down the field. Okay, he was intercepted in the end zone. Tua starts next week. There's no fuss. You know, I, th- I think we can make too much of these things at times. You know, sometimes we all have a bad day at the office and sometimes, you know, you sit down, but you're the following week, all, all is good again and Tua will get to go once more. I think it's a bad defeat from the Dolphins. I think it's a defeat they couldn't afford. I think it's similar to the Vikings' defeat. It's not one we were predicting. Um, and, I, and I must admit, I was very disappointed by it. Yep. Uh, speaking of that Vikings one, Denny Ford, he gives his ball back to the Vikings for bottling it and giving the evil Cowboys a second chance. Uh, Shawnee B, he's he wants to give it to Malcolm Butler for throwing shade at the opposition in the warm-ups. I thought that was a fascinating little pre-game noise that was going on between the Titans and the Ravens. Obviously, the Titans in the middle of the field having a meeting, lots of hand gesticulation, John Harbaugh wading into the middle of the field. John Harbaugh knows better than that. He shouldn't be getting involved in any of that nonsense. What you do in that situation for me is let the opposition come in and noise up as much as they want. You beat them on the field. You don't go over there and get you, get you off my pitch, baby, is exactly how I heard it because John Harbaugh has a long Scottish lineage. Um, but I just thought that that's noise. That's noise that you just, right away, you're showing yourself up. Um, Charles Patterson laid into the Ravens last week calling them soft. That was another soft piece of action from the Ravens. Let the Titans noise up, whatever. Beat them on the park. Don't go out there flapping your gums. So, but anyway, so Malcolm Butler is who Shawnee B gave it to. Um, and I think that pretty much covers it. Oh, no, there's one other one that we need to talk about, which is Polly. Uh, death threats made by a very small majority of uh, Packers fans to Valdez Scantling after his first career fumble. This is definitely the downside of 
social media. Um, and I would love to see more accountability for this sort of crap because it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, we're talking about the leadership of Aaron Rodgers. He's come out and condemned it. Of course he would, but he has come out and done it, which is the right thing to do. Valdez Scantling, a, a very simple thing to happen. Obviously, it was uh, it cost them. It's not going to cost the Packers the division. They're still going to win that division. There's nobody else is going to compete with them. There's no one's going to come close. So do you know what? They lost to the Colts. If anything, they can use that if they come up against the Colts in the Super Bowl, which you just never know. Um, so for me, yeah, that kind of behavior is just disgusting and pathetic. An absolute small, narrow-minded ball bag behavior in its purest form. Ugh, these people should be banned from attending football. If there was a way to stop them being able to even see it in the future, I'd be all for it. Well, but there's a couple of things that come out here. One is I'd be checking Aaron Rodgers for burner phones. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> and two, I think, and, and, and this is a serious point. Twitter allows censorship of certain things. How does it allow death threats? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, you know, People flag up all sorts of things on Twitter, you know, this might not be correct, or if you try and retweet something without reading it, although you know this story, have you read this story? How in this day and age are people allowed to go on to social media, register behind a name that you cannot trace, and then spew this stuff out for it not to be a hate crime? I'm not talking about colour, I'm not talking about gender, I'm not talking about age, anything like that. Death threats or anything like that, hate is a hate crime, don't care who it's against. Now, if it was me, you would have to give your basically your name and address and verify any social media account. Now, people can come and disagree with it. I Now, you know me well. I am a real advocate of free speech. I mean, I am libertarian when it comes to free speech. You can basically say what you like because I don't mind. But the difference being you've got to stand behind it and it's got to be legal. So if somebody wants to make a death threat against this poor wide receiver, hey, go ahead. But you've broken the law and you'll get done for it. Yeah. It really is that simple. I love free speech. I think free speech in quite a lot of our lives at the moment is under great threat by people who want to regulate free speech. I'm not wanting regulation of free speech. What I'm wanting is for people to know who it is that's speaking. Yeah, and I, I know that's Accountability. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit heavy for an NFL Scotland podcast, <laughs> I know, but I think that's the only way to do it. If if somebody wants to come on social media and tell me I'm the worst football commentator in the world, that's fine. But you tell me who you are and what you do. <laughs> Personally, I don't give a damn. If my boss comes and tells me, that's a different story. But you know, have have the uh, and and it, and again. We go with the woke police because this is a is, this is a genuine statement, and everybody will know what I mean. You've got to have the balls to do it. If yeah. you're going to criticise somebody, you get up there and you put your name to it. If you're not prepared to do so, and I will give this advice to anybody who's been attacked on social media: if the people come up with some ridiculous name and all that sort of stuff, if they're not prepared to say who they are, just ignore them. Simple as that. Yep, indeed, indeed. Um, a couple of things that we'll touch on that we've not really covered through our chat so far. It's worth mentioning, obviously, more that Rams victory is important. That saved me another four burgers in our burger bet. So happy days. More of that, please. Uh, the yeah, ben- that, that's, that's the turkey burger gone. So I've still got the other ones, <laughs> but that was the turkey burger gone. Um, the 
Bengals are all 18 and 1 in their last 19 road games. This is a team perpetually in rebuild mode and they ain't building. Um, it's really unfortunate they've lost Burroughs because obviously there was a sort of some glimmers of hope. But 2 7 and 1, I don't see anything else landing in that two, in that win column for the rest of the season. So it's going to be another high pick, depending on how serious and how long that injury is for Joe Burroughs. I mean, he could, in theory, miss all of next season. It's a bad injury. Carson Palmer had something very similar as well. Yeah. Went on to have a great career, but you just wonder how much that changes what he is as a player. And, you know, he obviously didn't get a huge amount of games under his belt. So there's still that experience for him to, to gather that he's going to have to pick up again when he comes back into the game. So real unfortunate one. Uh, home truth for you, the Steelers are 10-0. I'm sure Mrs. Mitchell is reminding you of that on a frequent basis, and if she isn't, she should be, um, because that's the first time in history that they're 10-0, and that'll be the first time in history that they're 11-0 when they beat the Ravens on Thanksgiving, and uh, Gordon Rage quits at halftime. <laughs> well, I, I've spoken to Gordon. You know, we're going to give a prize for the best strop online on Thursday. Uh, the, the best way to to be the drama queen and to leave the Zoom call. And uh, Gordon might have the reason to do that. So we shall see. We'll certainly be trying to facilitate that as much as we possibly can. It's a big game for the Ravens. They have got to go there. They've got to beat the, the, the Steelers. Now, the Steelers, if you're the coaching staff, this is a great one to really wind up and go for it. You know, you're playing on the Thursday. You're going to, you know, basically say, look, boys, you win Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, off you go. You go and do what you want. You know, we don't want you in the building, the facility. Dangle that carrot and uh, go cook that bird. Yeah, and even more so because the Browns are doing well, 7-3. and three. Interesting fact here that <laughs> now they don't play the Eagles all that often because it's obviously AFC, NFC, so it's what one every, I always forget this, one every four years or whatever. Um, but yep. that's the first home win against the Eagles since week seven of 1988. So that's 11,725 days since they'd last beat the Eagles, which is a fascinating stat. So thank you to NFL.com for that one. Uh, another fascinating stat comes from the Texans and their 27-20 victory over the Patriots. New England, that's the first time that they've been below 500 through 10 games since the year 2000. And that's incredible. That, it, that's an incredible start. Now, Ewan Destacois, who writes for NFL Scotland, is uh, featured on this podcast a couple of times, has his own Texans podcast. He sent me a message to say, will you play the audio where we described the Texans as bums last week? Um, because we did question the Texans. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't think they'd beat the Patriots. But I also pointed out to you in that, you know what, even the San Francisco 49er B team managed to, to give the Patriots a doing. So I don't know that he wants to get too excited about this one just yet. <laughs> Though I can understand as a Texan, a win's a win right now and you'll take them all... To be fair, Deshaun Watson's playing really well as well. Uh, he pointed that out to me, and I think he's absolutely right. You know, Deshaun Watson's actually having a really good season. He's having to have a good season because there's not an awful lot of options on offense, but he is having a good season, and the rest of his, his defense, some of the attacking options, just letting them down. You know, that's it's a really disappointing uh, season in Houston. Not a lot to write home about. And then the last one, just to touch on, um, obviously the Seahawks overcame the Cardinals. That game didn't quite live up to the hype of the first one. Uh, Seattle now 10-1 and on Thursday night football since 2010. They like yeah. a Thursday night game. And uh, Russell Wilson likes a bit of showtime. So what can you say? Okay, um, that covers everything for week 11. We'll talk about week 12 probably more at our live events, Paul. So I think yep. that what we could probably do for the rest of this one is cover that announced, uh, awful broadcasting outcome uh, and get your input on that one. 
Yeah, I mean, it's quite interesting. I mean, it's clear that the, the number one teams are the number one teams on the respective networks. But the, there is some pressure coming, you know, with, with other duos that, that people like to listen to. Now, awful announcing, if you don't follow them, well worth a follow uh, because they talk about, you know, all various things. And they do try to get in to the sort of real workings of partnerships, pairings and teams. Uh, and what's interesting is that CBS have got three of the top four teams, which I, I find quite interesting. Uh, and Fox follows a little bit further on. There's certain announcers, and I, and I think there's quite a lot of them, and I, I could I could class this also in match of the day terms. Match of the day, to me, missed a trick a number of years ago and having a lot of different voices. A lot of them, to me, sound the same. And I think we've got the same problem, you know, with the NFL that, you know, whether it's Kevin Kugler, Adam Amin, Andrew Catalan, you know, Sperodidas, they all sound roughly the same. You know, there's, there's nothing particularly exciting. Dick Stockton gets poorly rated, but he's not done many games, but he's got great experience about him. Looking at the analysts, I mean, again, I think there's not a lot that, that stand out in the lower regions. I think Greg Jennings has got great potential. I'd like to hear more of Greg Jennings working with Chris Myers. Chris Myers also was, pops into the Fox studio from time to time. So I think there's a sort of real, mm, at, at that level, there's nobody, you know, I think it was Mark Slareth and Adam Amin who did a Saints game recently, and it was kind of like, mm, okay. Uh, so you look at the, 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 the top Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma came out at number nine, which was a slight surprise. Kenny Albert, his dad was Marv Albert, legendary voice in New York. Kenny Albert's okay, but Jonathan Vilma, I think, is get, getting there. The Monday Night Football team have gone from the bottom uh, to the midway point, but that's because they got rid of the Monday Night Football team. So it's now Steve Levy, Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick. I, I would class them as a sort of C, inoffensive. You know, I, I don't think they're, they're, they're people, Cameron, that you would turn on and go, Absolutely brilliant. Guess yeah. who's got our game this week? They're actually the one that are the highest that I'm a bit like, I'm surprised they're as high as that. Like, they're way better than they were last year. There's no two ways about that, right? They get an awful lot wrong <laughs> for me. There's yes. a lot of wrong names. And uh, listen, having picked up and started doing full match commentary for Spartans this year, uh, that's football, uh, our football. That's hard. It's a lot harder um, all the time, especially when you're maybe not that familiar with the players. I've been away from Spartans for a couple of years trying to get familiar with them. Um, you're dependent on seeing the numbers on the back sometimes, and when you can't, you kind of go and fill the air with something. So um, I, I get it. It's tough, but they make a lot of mistakes. So I, I guess definitely an improvement. They've got a lot of room to grow still. Yeah, so in awful announcing, you could grade the teams A, B, C, D, E, or F. Now, what you find is lower down that a lot of the guys are getting most common grade is round about a C. So to me, that's a pass grade, but you're not overly excited by it. Once you start coming up to Kenny Albert, you're getting people sort of most common grade is, is B, same with Steve Levy. The one that surprised me, Greg Gumbel and Rich Gannon of CBS were at number seven. I actually quite like them. I, th I think Greg Gumbel does his prep for the game. Rich Gannon speaks well. So I, I was slightly surprised with that. Now, the surprise then starts to come. America is divided at the moment, as you know, and I don't know what's going to bring it together. But the basic common problem, Cameron, is some people love him, some people hate him, but this basic fact is Joe Buck is Foxy's number one announcer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and there's still some people, yeah, just really don't rate them. 
Um, I've seen this as well. That they received 7.36% F votes, which is the third highest of any team in the Poland. They don't deserve. They do not deserve that. There's no. Two, I'm not having it. They do not deserve an F vote, no matter what you think. You might not like them. They're not a bad commentary team. I think they're really good, and I think that. I wonder whether they have reached the the maximum potential. I, I think they are suffering from being shown up and that Troy Aikman is the second best former Cowboys quarterback uh, an- analyzer. And I think immediately that puts people down on them. And obviously you've mentioned the Joe Buck thing, but yeah, I think they're I think they're pretty good. I don't give it, they're never going to be in my absolute top and we talked about this before, but they're they're pretty decent. You know, we've all got our own favourite soccer broadcasters as well. And, you know, and, and as professionals, you recognise a couple of things. It's somebody's voice for me to start with. Then it's their style. Then it's how they get on with their co-com. You know, then do they talk too much and things like that. So there's all the technical aspects. Now, they might come across as a ball bag, which which means you don't like them as well. But, you know, I know enough people in sports broadcasting where the people themselves are ball bags but they do a half decent job so it it is very very difficult to you know to get things going so therefore i would say i dislike certain individuals but i know they can do the job so they wouldn't be getting delivered an f for example and i think that that's there is no way i think you've said it that these guys should be getting an f now we move into where there's not a lot between them so i'm going to give you the top five and i'm going to tell you that i think one doesn't belong there. So Kevin Burkhart and Daniel Johnson, they're solid. They're solid professional. Kevin Burkhart has called some games for the Tampa Bay Rays, which I didn't particularly enjoy, but he's a very good football announcer. I'm going to skip four because that's the one I want to come back to. Kevin Harlan and Trent Green, CBS at number three, are terrific. I think they've, you know, Kevin Harlan has got that excitement, the preparation, the voice. He's all the boxes that you could tick. You could argue he's better on radio but it's a close call. I think, sorry, just to jump in there. I think Kevin Harlan is the most likely commentator to have an iconic bit of audio against a particular play. I think for me, that's what he's capable of. I think that he will announce things in a certain way that leaves you going, oh, that was, it just called that so well. And I think that you can get other commentators that do their job brilliantly, but the fact that he can do something that actually would stand out as an iconic bit of commentary is what makes him absolutely brilliant for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. Now, it's Michaels and Collinsworth at two. And it's your choice at number one, Nancy Romo. I know you're a big, big Tony Romo fan. <laughs> uh, now, w- would possibly Kevin Harlan and Tony Romo? You know, if Jim Nance, Jim Nance is wanting a payday, uh, his contract's up, he wants a huge pay increase, would CBS let him go? I'll tell you what, I'd put Kevin Harlan in there quite happily. Jim Nance has to be very careful, in my opinion. I like Jim Nance. He's a talented broadcaster. He's very understated at times. He appreciates silence. He ticks a lot of the boxes that, that are really, really clever technically. I'm going to moan because it's an NFL Scotland podcast and I can moan. And you I, and Eagle, I and Eagle and Dan Fouts were brilliant together. The beard and the bird. Charles Davis, I don't know about you, doesn't cut it for me. I don't see why CBS went and got him from Fox. Doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And they, they, I think they've gone up the way. Um, yes, they have. Since um, Dan Fouts has gone away, but I agree. I I thought uh, Eagle and Fouts were a stronger combination. I don't think there's anything bad out of this. I think that Charles Davis is 
decent. Again, he falls into that decent without being sensational. Um, I think he's a, a, a good commentator. But yeah, I just... I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, I think I am surprised to see them go up. Um, and, and actually, I would probably have Greg Gumbel and Rich Gannon above them. Um, I think that they're a really good combination there. So, yeah, there's the, the top is a little bit out of order for me as well. I think that it's... Uh, the top three for me, I think, is absolutely nailed on. Absolutely nailed on top three. I completely agree with that. Uh, Harlan and Green... Uh, Michaels and Collinsworth, Nance and Romo. For me, is three two definitely. Um, but beyond that, I think it, that's it. These power rankings are always open to conversation, um, as as ours have been when we were doing them. Now we've been quite quiet on our power rankings. We're going to bring them back soon. A little talking point for our live events coming up. Um, but you know, it, it's fascinating to see how people actually vote. Um, and I think that other than those people that are giving uh, Aikman and Buck an F, you know. There's not necessarily anything there that's massively controversial. So a bit of breaking news. We're recording this podcast the day before Thanksgiving. The Ravens-Steelers has moved from Thanksgiving. Oh. It's going to Sunday because right. of COVID. So we're, we're going to be down a game. It was the late game, so we'll, we'll get a little bit more rest. So there will just be two games to talk together. But Cameron, you've made so much work. You've made the NFL Scotland podcast work. You've made the events work. You've got the hoodies. You've got the Stuart Brewing, the Bonnie Sauce Company. You need to get us into a commentary booth, mate. You and me, <laughs> let's call an NFL game. You make that happen. Don't Jeez. care how you do it. Make Jeez. it happen. I don't know about NFL. I reckon we could get an Edinburgh Wolves game. I reckon we could probably do one of those at some point when that comes back. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I'm a broadcasting snob. I want NFL. I'll, I'll take Wembley. I'll take a gig in the States somewhere. But, uh, yeah, talk sports should, should hire us for the game. Right? Oh, I, I, I think BBC Scotland have got the right to. I reckon a BBC Scotland commentary team's got to happen. We might have to get a former player as well, but... I, 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 do you know what? Let's fly in Lawrence Tynes. Um, in fact, let's get Scott Cooper, who played for the Scottish Claimers. You mean Scott Cooper? What a team! Yeah. What a yeah. team! I'll, I'll can... tell you what. See, see if a game ever comes to Murrayfield, uh, I'd be right at the front of the queue with Radio Scotland saying, "We've got to cover it." Hey, I'm your guy, Cameron Scott. We're, we're, we're in there. You know, we could put you pitch side if you fancy, because you've got the gift of the gab and you you speak to people brilliantly. And you've got sideline experience from being at the Browns. Um, so you, you tick all the boxes there, mate, you know. Um, so I, I would love that. Just just before we finish, I would say I, I interviewed Paul McGinn last night of, of Hibs who scored twice. And uh, he asked me afterwards a couple of questions and, and the subject of the NFL Scotland podcast came up. I was recommending it to him. He is a bit of an NFL fan. Just dabbling, not, not seriously, and just dabbling. But I've said, you know, he should be, um, you know, check out a podcast that, that, that we're part of and um, also, you know, give Red Zone a bit more of a watch as well. There is a lot of soccer guys love the NFL and hopefully uh, over the next few weeks we might get one or two of them on to have a little chat with them. Absolutely. There's a few of them. There's actually a few who've reached out to us recently and we must get them on. Uh, yeah. Definitely, for sure. Um, okay. One last thing we need to do before we go and that is just give a general update on the Bonnie Sauce Company NFL Scotland Pick'em. Can you be the pick king or queen of Scotland? That is the question that we're asking. Paul, I had a pretty good week. Um, without being spectacular, 
Uh, I've managed to, I think we were tied on points. I'm now two ahead of you. So I'm sitting up there in tied seventh, which is dizzy heights for me in 109. I'm only three points off the top, but there's two out in front. So David Pearson, 1874, and Buddy Brilliant are up there on 112. Then we've got Alex McNiven with 111. Uh, and then we've got four, no, we've not. We've got three people in tied fourth. We've got South FL Bull, Aberdeen Goose, and Jambo Jap. Jambo Jap, of course, won our first ever pick king of Scotland. See, he's been the king. Um, Brian Dando, the current king. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking through the list. Um, I'll have to see if I can see him. But no, I don't know that he's on the first page. So, oh, Jerry Bowlers, there he is, 103. So, do you know what? He's only nine points off. And in this game, that nine points can disappear pretty quickly. you just got to have a couple of crackers. Paul, you're sitting back in tied 12th with 107. So equal 7th with me is keep having commit dreams. Then we've got three people with 108. Extra point is good. Dude, where is Dakar? Dude, where'd Dakar? <laughs> okay. Uh, and also in Kiel before Zod, um, which I do like as a name, and I finally figured out how to say it properly. Um, and then there's a few people with you on 107. So all to play for, all to play for. Uh, brilliant prize. Keep going because the great people at Bonnie Sauce Company have uh, are going to buy a, a jersey of your choosing. Um, as well as that, you get an NFL Scotland hoodie. You get entry to our NFL Scotland Fantasy League, which is coming down to interesting points as well. We're going to talk about that at the... Um, over this weekend at one of the live events. I've not decided which one. I might bring it up on Sunday. You know, I think it I think it's only fair that we update the the good people of Scotland as to how our fantasy league is progressing at the moment. I think that's uh, people are dying to find out. Um Paul, I think that people need to know who's sitting at number 1 in the rankings at the moment. I think it's important. Uh, you know I what if I, if I didn't shared. if I didn't know who it was, I'd probably be able to guess. But hey, <laughs> that's that's just the way it is. Not being salty, just being honest. <laughs> Um, so yes, uh, an interesting one there uh, to come. So yeah, lots and lots to look forward to. And we might be one game down, but hey ho, we're looking forward to Thanksgiving anyway. But that is the full-time whistle for episode 125. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please do share your thoughts on this on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search on Facebook for NFL Scotland. It is one of the best weekends of the NFL year. We get playoff game implications all the way through, but more importantly, we get Thursday night football, not once but twice. Do apologise, it's Washington, Dallas. Hey, folks, you can't have everything. Join Cameron and I. We'll be live on the Zoomy thing, doing all sorts of things. Check out our social media. We'll also be there for the event on Sunday. We really look forward to your company. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your football. We'll be back next week. Bye for now. 